Stairway to Sevens is back. Back-to-back shows. Killing it. Dangerous. <laughs> First up, got to thank the cover, thecover.com.au. It's doing some good things. It's doing some good things. Michael Motta's killing it right now. He's putting up weekly streaming lists. This week, he did the immature teen list. So That sounds like my kind of list. Yeah, yeah. So you... American American Pies on there, all all of them, all forty five of them apparently on Netflix right now. You can watch them. Euro trip, road trip, all the other kinds of trips, they're all on there. Footy trip, yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Jimbo, how you doing? Good, good. Isolation's going well. Yeah. Three weeks in a house with you. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. We, we filmed everything too. We're, we're going to call it uh, The Last Stand. So, you know, The Last Dance has been really, really popular with the kids right now. We're going to do our own. It's about isolation and, and it ends with one of us dying. Yeah. Yeah. Jovi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we got a, we got a good show. We've got um, Adelaide Roma's... And Welsh national team and Great Britain national team or Olympian uh, Jasmine Joyce on a little bit later. Be good. And then hopefully we get to speak to yeah. the Adelaide Roma's head coach slash all-round great guy, O'Keefe, afterwards. So yeah. it'll be good to get some yeah. comparison. If there's time. Yeah, if there's if, time. If. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get – yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't be making promises, all right? Sorry. <laughs> and, look, we do have – you know, we do have a little bit of good news – it looks like uh, sport, at least at the top level, is is going to reform sooner rather than later. So you know, we've had um, the NRL come out and say sort of end of May, so May twenty eighth, roughly, um, and and then they've also said that following that in July, uh, July twenty eighth, that country rugby league will return as well. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is exciting to see HP Sport start to move back into um, re-engaging and, and rolling out their, their competitions. I'm a little bit sceptical about the community sport and how much, yeah, how quickly we can get that back. But I, I certainly, you know, the NRL are talking about relocating any, everyone to New South Wales and potentially still playing without crowds, etc. So I think that'll be great and everyone's hanging out for sport. But at the same time, we also need to make sure that we're doing it safely and, and appropriately so that we, we don't fall back into this this hole. Well and and there is a there is a bit of a prereq pre prerequisite can't talk right now for all of this. So for those of you f- sort of following the, the pandemic, Singapore rolled out, you know, one of the better um, plans, testing plans in the world. Sort of thought they had it culled. Um, they thought the curve had, was well and truly on the way down and they've had another spike after lifting some of those restrictions, so they've then gone back to the you know level four, stage four restrictions. So, yeah, you're right, and I think you know the the elite sport to a degree they can contain. You know, they've got a bit of money to kind of go. Okay, these 
four hotels are where we stay and we only play at these three grounds and you only train at these four grounds. And and, and given all the players are contracted, they can set guidelines and, and restrictions that, that yeah. have to be listened to. Yeah, whereas, you know, with the with the community stuff, it's it's going to be much harder to, you know, to keep an eye on what they're doing, where they're going. You know, you're going to have essential workers who are potentially exposed and non-essential workers who are working from home or stood down on JobKeeper, Seeker, whatever. Um, so it, yeah, it, it, it would be really challenging to, and, and potentially dangerous to bring that community stuff back too early. It's too early. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we also heard, um, from a couple of the super rugby franchises that, you know, the, some of the restrictions are going to be lifted and they can start to train in bigger groups. So not, you know, a full squad as yet, but maybe groups of five or six or seven or eight, you know, you know, my, maybe out to 10 to, to kind of get you know, get those ball skills back and, and maybe do some line-outs. And, and the way things should be trained, forwards on one end and backs down the other and don't mix. Yeah, well, you know, you guys, you guys, you guys do that anyway. You play with your, play with your ball and you kick it and then the guy down the other end, he kicks it back and then you high-five each other and that's, well, a, that's about it. Yeah, I guess we could, we could game plan, just watch, watch you scrummage and line out for 15 minutes at a time while you get it right and then we can, then we can <laughs> do you can drop thing. the ball so we can do it all again. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, 101. All right. On that note, because I'm sick of you, <laughs> we're going to talk to uh, Jasmine Joyce. Welcome, Jasmine, all the way from Wales. Thanks for coming coming on board, coming on the show. No, thank you for asking me. So I guess uh, we should start with, you know, how are you going? Are you keeping yourself busy? I, I myself am growing uh, a, a COVID beard. And uh, and James over here hasn't shaved his legs for a couple of weeks, so uh, keeping ourselves busy. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, keeping myself busy. Um, just bought a new house, so fortunate enough to kind of have been kept busy for the last three weeks, say, like painting, putting beds together, chairs together and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, training loads. Um, and actually just bought a puppy. So oh, nice I'm one. definitely busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of dog? Yeah. It's a cockapoo, and her oh. name's Nala. Oh, nice one. I have a, I have a lab yes. and a husky myself. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, keep me very busy. Isn't it funny, though? You buy a house, and you think, yeah, you know, I've just spent all this money on a house, and then you spend, like, yeah. a, <laughs> an unbelievable amount of money and time renovating it, refurbishing it, whatever you want to do. It's wild. Yeah, and then get the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to mess it all up. Yeah, well, we, and we literally just got new carpets as well. So, but luckily, she's been like really well trained so far. So, yeah. l- luckily, the carpets are still intact. But all downstairs, it's kind of like laminate wood, wood in. So, that's not too bad. But just the carpet, she needs to stay well away from. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I thought we'd, we'd go right back to the start. Where, where did you grow up? Where did you spend most of your time as a kid? Um, I grew up in the smallest city in Britain, which is which is called St. David's. Yep. Um, I've got a brother um, called Ben, who's two years younger, and then I grew up with my mum and dad in um, in a house. In I stayed in the same house well all my life till I was um, eighteen, where I went to university. Then, um, but it's lovely down there. All my friends are down there. There's beaches. Um, definitely, maybe after retirement of rugby and kind of settling down a bit more i think i'll potentially move back there it's so nice yep yep yeah. so when, when you were a kid what sort of sports were you were you offered and and playing 
Um, the basic ones it was, to be honest. Um, us as women, we were kind of offered hockey netball and then the men were offered um, rugby football, which was uh, normal. But as we grew up, my PE teacher was awesome. Um, Rachel Thomas, her name was, and she just kind of wanted sport for everyone and ensured everyone was taking part somehow, um, whether that be kind of, well, anything, taking part, watching, um, just wanted to make people happy. And she offered loads as well because in my, um, when I was doing my A-level, so in um, when I was kind of 17, 18, I got asked to, called up to Welsh then to play rugby yeah. and she would always kind of be like, oh, I can take you up, I can take you up. Bearing in mind, she was like head of PE and like deputy head, so she already had so much on her plate. But she's de- definitely someone who's kind of pushed and driven me to be, well, the person I'm, rugby player I am today, or a sports person I am today. She wasn't a rugby player herself, but sports like background and kind of the sports player I'm today definitely has helped me. Um, she's definitely helped me. We did, I did have a little bit of rugby in um, in schools and she really pushed for that because there was a few of us girls who wanted to do it. So we played with the boys for a bit. Um, but when, when, obviously when you turn 13 out um, in Wales, you have to go, then go with um, just find your own team, yeah. um, which was really tough because yeah. there was obviously no women's teams at all around here. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- it's it's really cool to hear you talk about you know a, a teacher that you had that really pushed you. One of the things we're finding more and more, you know, we work at a university, so we're exposed to um, educators all the time, and we're f- we're starting to find these people at, at schools who are really passionate about, particularly about participation sports, but then you know providing opportunities, especially for young girls mm. to to start playing sports, you know, earlier and earlier. Um, you know, Definitely. We're, yeah, we're, we're still. A long way behind, you know. We had um, Abby Gustatus on the show um, a few weeks back, and you know the, the way she was, the, the amount of sports that were offered in in her high school and, and her middle school, but she she basically could play any sport she wanted. You know, she was even allowed to play um, baseball on the boys' team. Oh, um, nice! Yeah. So we're just yeah, it's so it's really nice to hear that you kind of had that 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 level of support. So when you when you first started playing rugby, what what was the what was the thing about it that made you sort of want to stick with it? Um, I was fortunate to be fast, so that was one <laughs> of the things. Kind of, and obviously, when you play with the boys, normally they don't pass you. But yep. say the first couple of games, first couple of weeks I was there, they weren't passing to me. Oh my god, she's a girl, she's a rugby, all this. But then as soon as they'd kind of start giving me the ball. I kind of just run as fast as I could, um, and most of the boys couldn't catch me at that age, so <laughs> I was lucky enough to be scoring the tries. Yeah. So they soon realised that to pass me the ball, and I think it's just enjoyment as well. Like I enjoyed it um, at that age. I was kind of good at it, I guess. Like I was scoring, um, and just yeah, enjoyed going, enjoyed the whole kind of atmosphere of it. Of it, and yeah, I just loved playing sport in general. And mm. I think rugby was the one sport at that age where I just continued to do um, and thought I was, I was good at it, I guess. Mm. It, it's, so I spent, I spent a little bit of time in the UK in my youth um, and <laughs> I was so taken aback by how, how passionate um, you guys are, Welsh, uh, are about your rugby. I actually had no idea because it's <laughs> such a small pocket of the world. And then when I got there, and I told, you know, I was in the pub and I was like, yeah, I play rugby. And, and then that's all anyone wanted to talk about for hours. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it, 
people people say New Zealand. Yeah, I spent some time in New Zealand too. They say New Zealanders are passionate about rugby, but the Welsh are on a whole a whole different level. <laughs> yeah, as soon as kind of Six Nations, World yeah. Cup, anything like that. Like everyone is all of a sudden rugby mad. Yeah. Like my mum, mum is like, oh, she she comes to watch me play, but like she's not massive rugby fan. Six Nations World Cup, she's like number one fan. I'm like, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> and I know that's the same with kind of well the whole nation. Like every like when the Six Nations, like everyone pretty much is rugby mad. But it's awesome. It it is amazing. Yeah, one of the one of the best uh, days or nights at the rugby I've had was at Carter Farms Park. 2000, oh, yeah. 2008, so I was 18 years old. I was there with my dad. He took me <laughs> as a, a you know high school graduation, college graduation present, took me to to the spring tour to watch the Wallabies. And so I walk in the stadium and everyone's already singing. Like I'd never, ever, you know, we're so boring here in Australia with yeah. the way we do footy. Walting Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> but hearing everyone singing from from – an hour and a half before kickoff to then into the street and into the pub afterwards and singing never stopped. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, the streets are mad. Yeah. Um, so you sort of briefly touched on, you know, in, enjoying rugby and, and being quick enough to be to be good at a young age. Yeah. Was, there, was there anything specifically about the game that sort of kept you involved and kept you wanting to keep playing? Um. I guess it's like friends as well, isn't it? Like, so my my well, cousin and best friend also played with me from we were the age of what I think it was six, and then <clears throat> right they right the way through till about eighteen nineteen. So I think we both did it together, which I think potentially helped me as well. Kind of find a club, we find a club together, we played with the boys together. So I think almost doing it with someone because we were the only girls type of thing that helped me as well, um, as well as watching it on telly like everything about it I think I love sport in any way but I think rugby was the one sport I just was kept drawing back towards and was most excited about going training whether it was raining sunny um no matter what it was there was actually one time I went to go training um it was that I, I, I walked to it so I, I walked and it was like a torrential rain like there was lightning I got there obviously there was no one there, like not even the coach. I was like, what the hell? It's just a bit of rain. And then the coach actually turned up then, like maybe like five minutes after I was there. And he was like, no, no jazz training's off. We can't train in this. And then he took me home then. So I think even, yeah, in weather like that, I still enjoyed it. So then you sort of mentioned you then had to go find your own team at 13. Yeah. Did you find a team or did you? was there a period there in the middle where you, you kind of didn't, didn't play any, any rugby? Yeah, there was no teams. I couldn't, there was nothing. Um, so there was a period of between 13 and 15, 16, where obviously I had no rugby. There was there was nothing to do. Um, played a little bit in school, but like once every two months or something like that. Um, and then luckily, a lo- well, I say local, but about half an hour from my house, half a West, RSC started an under 18 team. Yep. Um, so me and my best friend then went to um, play with, play with them and we still loved it so so we carried on then um and then that's kind of where it all started where you get selected for like your regional clubs like different clubs and then kind of Welsh spot you then yep yeah so how how old were you when you got your first opportunity to to put the Welsh jumper on um so obviously sevens and fifteens out here I 
I played sevens for Wales um, before I played 15s. And so when I was, so for sevens, I was 18 um, when I got to put it on. I was almost like a wild card though. Um, I wasn't the best rugby player then. Like I could only just about like kind of catch the ball. I was quick. That's kind of all I could offer. But Richie Pugh, he was the head coach and he kind of gave me like a, a wild card kind of, all right, we'll just take her, see how she does. Um, and then luckily I did, I did quite well. And then ever since Dubai, it was so pretty nice tournament to go to as well. <laughs> um, yeah, nice ever part since of the Dubai world. then. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I think I've been there now five times maybe for, for the sevens. And yeah. I obviously I've done it with, with Welsh, but I really want to do it like as a social kind of aspect because like <laughs> the whole thing about it is just insane. Yeah, I, I went <laughs> but, yeah. with, with O'Keefe. What, two, two years ago two years, to, yeah. to play and coach it was, it's unbelievable tournament one of the one of the best in the world oh it's awesome absolutely awesome so how obviously once once you start playing for wales how often do do you sort of get to play for wales obviously not playing on the world series um a lot is is there a sort of a 12-month program for welsh sevens in terms um, of- <clears throat> uh, not necessarily seven so most of us who play sevens will also then transition into the 15th as well. So, um, for example, say we start, our season starts in October time for the 15th and we'll be playing in Autumn Internationals. We have three to five games in that where we play up until um, maybe like February time. And then we're into Six Nations straight away then, still in the 15th. And then once Six Nations is finished um, in April time, we're straight into sevens then where we do like the Euros, um, Amsterdam Sevens and everything like that. And then that ends August time. Normally we have about a month off and then we're back into like regional program with 15 then. So it's a pretty like full on year. Like people that do do the 15s and Sevens don't get much of a break. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think is going to be key moving back to Sevens, you know, for for the Welsh program? to get that opportunity to, to compete more regularly on the World Series? We just need more contact time with each other. We, we kind of just, like, obviously professionalism is a, is a massive part of it and the yeah. teams that are on there are, are all professional and, like, that's the way they started to kind of do the programme. So I think, we just, yeah, we just need more contact time with each other because all of us girls in, in the Sevens programme are athletes anyway, so we have a mindset of keeping ourselves fit, doing the gym on our own anyway, but it's just, it's the rugby contact we need. So like, obviously you can't play rugby on your own. You can't do that much skills on your own, especially seven. Yep. Um, so it's just learning how each other play. Cause then when we go to tournaments, we've only had a, what, two, two months, maybe three months contact time with each other to learn each other, how we play and stuff. And it's just not long enough. Mm. Yeah. It's, re- it's really difficult. E- even with, um, you know, even with the Aeon series, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that later. But even with the Aeon series, you know, even a, you know, some some teams are getting you know a month lead in. So it's just not enough time. You don't get any game time, and then you're expected to kind of play at this elite level. Um, it's it's it, yeah, it is really challenging. And it, you know, I think a lot of girls here, and it, and it sounds like obviously at the top level in in Wales, if you're doing both, they're completely different games. It's really really difficult. And you can probably talk more to this, but it is really difficult to transition from one to the other so quickly. Yeah, it is. Um, for me, maybe not so much as I'm a winger, so I'm pretty much I could 
pretty much stay the same size. Obviously, <laughs> I put on a little, yeah. little bit of weight yeah. um, a muscle mass for, obviously, the 15s game. But, like, for some people, obviously, it's a massive transition. Some people are back rowing 15s and then come over to 7s. Yeah. And in 7s, you're pretty much all the same size. So, obviously, they need to drop the weight. Um, and just game mentality as well. Like, defensively, it's, it's a completely different game. Like, yeah. you can't... Yeah, it's they say a completely different game. You watch them both and... Like it's sevens and fifteens rather than oh, I'm going to play rugby. Like they're different, yeah. different things. Yeah, yeah. You, and you mentioned you sort of the the regional tournaments and and the different programs within the Welsh system. Is there any other footy sort of outside the when you're playing for Wales or Great Britain that you are competing in? Um, no, no none of the sevens. Um, obviously with fifteens there is. Um, we have like our clubs and regionals, but with sevens, we just go straight into into sevens. Yep. So, yeah. So you know, so yeah. So outside the national team, you're not getting any chances to play sevens. Nope, nothing. So it's hard for people to to get selected as such as well then yeah, because yeah. they're getting selected fifteens, which obviously, like you're saying, it's a completely different game. Yeah. Like some people are rubbish at 15s and then they're world class at, at seven so yep. it's hard then for some girls who are like oh, i'm good at seven like give me a chance but yep. if you're not performing in 15 you're not getting that chance yeah and it, it, it is really hard I, I used to play with a guy um paul grant was his name he was a huge number eight um in new zealand and he he got picked up so he, he played for otago um so the level below super rugby when he was 18 um and dominated and he he sort of got picked up uh, with Gordon Titchens in the in the seven setup, young um, as a, as sort of a de- development opportunity. But if you talk to him now as a sort of thirty five year old, he he sort of thinks, you know, he doesn't regret anything. But he, you know, his his playing seven sort of limited his his ability to improve in the fifteen aside game because all of a sudden he wasn't looking for contact anymore. He was trying to run around people, yeah. you know, cross yeah. field, looking for space. So that you know. The two things don't necessarily translate, especially for forwards. Like, especially if, as you say, a, a back rower, you know, you, you're kind of conditioned whenever you're ball carrying as a back rower to take space, um, which often yeah. in sevens means you're stepping back inside and isolating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, yeah. It, yeah, again, smart. Yes, it's a, it is, uh, yeah, it is a really tough, tough transition, and and you know, uh, yeah, we we sort of have a similar challenge at the club level. You know, we've got this. Aon series now, which is 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 a, a good good standard of sevens, but below that, um, unless you're in Sydney or Queensland, there's not, you know, everyone else is playing fifteen aside footy. So it, yeah, it is it is a challenge. Um, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, and then I guess on that note, how how did you how did you enjoy your time out here in Australia playing in in the Aon series? Oh, I loved it. Everything about it, like the team. Obviously, I was playing for Romers were. It was amazing. Like the girls were awesome, and I think that's the, one of the main reasons we wanted to come back as well. Was like the girls and like the standard. Obviously, was is massive. It's like well, well, for us, it was pretty much like world class. Like yeah. getting to play against the, the Australian girls. Um, it made me and the two other girls I came out with as well. It made us better players. Like the training made us fitter, faster. Um, obviously, we were out there as full time athletes, so. Mm. naturally that was going to be um, easier for us to, to kind of get fitter and faster because of here we've obviously we've got full-time jobs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I, 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 was, I was thinking of coming back 
um, this year. Yep. Um, but obviously everything that's going on now, it's it's obviously not possible. And I've, like I didn't know where where I was going to be regarding kind of Olympics and Team GB stuff. Um, yep. Just my life's always just take it by day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, it's funny because – yeah, it's funny you say you, you got better as a player because we you know we've had um, we've had other players you know come out from from other unions and we had a meeting sort of before all this happened and and Scotty Bowen who's sort of head of high performance at Rugby Australia kind of roasted a few of it a few of us because he's like you guys are making our competition better <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but you know the the thing I really like about the competition and I'm sure you found this too is is it it is a real development focus it's not it's not necessarily we're going out there to win. Yeah, winning's winning's a, a byproduct of hard work and, and, and it's a nice reward for the playing group. But you know, the focus is getting better each day, each session, you know, developing a skill and, and then implementing it into a game. Um and you know, it sounds like you've taken some of that back, you know, with you. Yeah, definitely. And I think for the Australian girls as well, obviously, um Georgia Hannaway and someone else uh, Nathan, Paige Nathan, is it? Yep, yep. They were obviously Nathan, yeah, um, yeah. in the. They obviously were on the in, in the Iron Series, and they were the two standout players. And then they got that opportunity to to play on the circuit as well. So that's yeah. a massive like kind of like bonus and benefit for them, as well as the whole program itself. Like they mm. are rewarding players who are playing well. And obviously, Hannaway's kind of still in. Well, she was in the team obviously before this happened, so it's awesome for her. Yeah, but we've also seen, you know, someone like Sammy Traherne, um, who was in the setup yeah. early days and then sort of came out and then found her way back through the Aeon series. Rachel Crothers is another one you put it you put in that. And then, you know, now we've got this whole group of like sixteen to nineteen year olds who are pushing, you know, who are pushing the established professionals. Oh. Well, definitely there. Yeah, obviously Australia as a team at the moment are different level. Mm. And one more follow-up on this. How how does the level, the Aeon Series level, compare to, say, some of the stuff you're doing in Europe in the, in that sort of Euro competition? Uh, it, 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 is a diff- it is a different standard. Um, and I think it helps as well because, obviously, the Australian girls, they're coming into the program, so they're just their aura, them being there, them kind of, the other girls being able to watch them train, watch them play. I think that's making them better players as well. Like, we... Obviously, as us, we we go straight to um, international level, so we don't not have no one to look up to. But that's our that's our kind of sevens. That's not we don't have regional to, yeah, to perform yeah, yeah, to play yeah. well to get to Wales. Yeah. That is our is our end goal. Um, yeah, I just absolutely loved out there, and the weather made a difference mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, making the jump to playing for the Welsh national team from playing regional um and the European Sevens, I guess what, what's been some of the hardest aspects of the game competing on the international level versus um, the, the regional and European level? I think it's hard, um, like I say, contact time. So like we're going in as the best individuals and athletes we can be um, rather than rugby players because we're yeah, the fittest, fastest, um, training our own. But then we get put into a situation where we're playing against groups and better teams than us and we can't perform because we don't know how each other plays so we just need to learn each other play more rugby like that's the thing we just need to play more rugby before we we go into competition and that's the hard thing 
going into yeah. um, into the competition is that we haven't had enough like high standard play in like yeah. we literally go into training and we go straight into the Euros which is our our ultimate kind of end tournament we don't have any kind of warm-up tournaments really other than Dubai maybe but that's five months away from Euros yeah 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 so just shifting gears a little bit and and sort of looking forward towards the Olympics for those of us uninformed can you explain to us sort of the the way that works you know the 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 countries that make up that Great Britain team? Yeah. Um, so i got lots of questions on this one. <laughs> um, so obviously we've got, we've got Wales, Scotland, England and Northern Ireland, but Northern Ireland have decided to just make an Irish team okay. rather than a Northern Ireland. So all of the Irish girls have just joined Ireland rather than trying to join GB, yep. um, which is, suits them because obviously they can compete as a as a nation on the circuit as well, in which they're doing really well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that. So Ireland's kind of out of the, the situation. So us three nations, um, they decide a head coach. Um. So this year was the Scottish coach, which was probably the best decision because as Wales, we didn't really have a coach, yeah. and England had just newly been appointed a um an English coach. So yeah. that was kind of obvious anyway. Yeah. And then he, um, from what I'm aware, he selects from what he's seen, um, kind of a group of people, as well as then our coaches, like Wales, Scotland and England coaches, kind of feeding back to them, oh, this player might do well, that she's good, this is good, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, obviously, if the Olympics, because the Olympics was meant to be in uh, this year, we came together, um, we want to come together for three camps. So one at the end of April, May and June. And then, on the end of that camp in June, we were going to go to Singapore, in yeah. which would then he'd select his team after Singapore then. So we okay. don't have much time together either. Yeah. It's almost like we come together, we have three camps for, for two days, and then we're together for a month, which is just the team, and then we go. Wow. That's not it. It's um, not a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, but obviously, last, so last Olympics in Rio, um, I was the only Welsh one in, so... To be honest, nothing much changed for them. Like it was all English, um, and <laughs> typical just England. me then. So pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, like they were doing so well on the circuit that that year, they were kind of hitting top three pretty much every time. Yeah. So, so they didn't need anyone as such. So they weren't like, oh, we need this, we need this to do well. Like they were doing well enough as it is. So they, obviously, they gave um, some of us a chance to go up. Um, I'm fortunate enough, I was to make the team. I think um, this year was going to be different because it's a new, inexperienced England team at the moment. So it is a bit different. Um, they're not doing as well as kind of coming top three. So there's that element of they probably need to make some changes or like mix the team together and hopefully then they can come in the top three or top four or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, you know, we follow it really closely. Um, and, you know, England are always one we kind of tip to make a jump. They, they kind of look always look like they're about to turn a corner and then they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah. expected them at Sydney Sevens to, to have a big step up. Yeah. But yeah. Because they've got some really, really good players, like world-class players. Yeah. Mm. It's just sometimes they, because they always, like, are so close to beat New Zealand and then, but, like, yeah, like you say, they, they, 
you train for certain tournaments, don't you? So um, yeah, yeah. they were probably training towards kind of a Olympics and such. So yeah. I guess you peak at the right times. Yeah, yeah, but we, yeah, we we certainly, especially because as you say, they they do perform really well against New Zealand, against Australia, against France, even you know the, those sort of top four or five teams, and then they kind of drop those games that they shouldn't drop. You know, I think they dropped a game to Ireland. Yeah, they, they got opened up by Japan. Japan, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so sometimes yeah. that's the case too, isn't it? You you don't perform against teams that are you you you're all saying this is going to be easy, and you get to it, and you're like, oh, oh. whoops. And then when you think <laughs> teams are going to be hard, you yeah. almost you're like, okay, right, I need to need to be on on my game here, and then it happens to a lot of teams, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Almost when you're coming up against the the big dog teams, you you're playing with no risk. Because yeah. you, you're expected to lose, so you can yeah. throw everything at it with, with yeah. little risk. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's interesting. Another part of my role, I work a little bit with a with a basketball team, and they are a women's basketball team, professional team, and they played a game against the Southside Flyers, who were sitting in first place, and we were sitting in second. Uh, and we had three injuries to our sort of um, you know Australian level players. So the the week leading up to it. The entire press, everyone sort of wrote them off, and then they absolutely destroyed them. They beat them by twenty-five points. So it was just, yeah, it was just oh, of, it's like underdogs, isn't it? Yeah, just one of those things. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you briefly Definitely. mentioned the <laughs> um, the sort of the Great Britain pre-Olympic setup. Well, that's now that the Olympics have moved to, to twenty-one. Will that that stay relatively the same with the, the three camps and trying to have a tournament together? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, no. We obviously we've been told. Um, obviously, the Olympics has been um, cancelled. We had an, an official email, but other than that, we um, none, no one knows. Yeah. I've been speaking to the, one of the English girls, and she's like, "No idea." <laughs> I guess obviously wait till everything's calmed down, and then hopefully now we'll have a little bit longer um, yeah. to kind of plan and prepare and. I don't know whether the squad will change. So obviously he, he named a squad of, I don't know, however many it was. Yep. Will that now be cut? Because obviously people were good then, but are they going to be good in a year? Like yeah. there's some older players who were named in that who maybe were going to retire after the Olympics. Like there's so many things, questions around it. Um, but hopefully we'll know pretty soon. And there was there was a couple of, of the bigger names that had long-term injuries that were looking like not being picked mm. as well. So that, that potentially opens the door for, for players to come back into that squad if, if they're healthy. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, just wait and see. And, and the best thing is for everyone to be fit and you to fight against people in the same position and they're fit rather than kind of having injuries and being like, oh, yeah, I've, I've gone because she was injured. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. Yeah. obviously, yeah, you, you go in, but are you the best person to be in that position, I guess? Well, it, it, it's, it's interesting you mention that because it is a, you know, Obviously, I, I I spent most of my career being the guy that got brought into the squad for the injured guy. <laughs> so, so you know, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of um, towed that line all the time. And, you know, I, I've, I, I knew that I was never going to be the first guy picked, but I knew I was always going to be in a squad somewhere. Um, but certainly early on in my career, it really, you know, I'd, I'd get picked in these big games and I'd be like, oh. I'm only here because so and so's injured. Like, you know, it was really hard to motivate myself to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is tough. 
Yeah. Because you're training so hard. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, oh well, am I even going to pick? Like, it's just, yeah, demotivating. I went through a phase of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, you know, you, you've obviously been to one Olympics. What What was that like? The first time you got to run out onto that field in the, in the Great Britain jersey, you know, how, how did that feel? Oh, my God, it was amazing. I like, remember, because obviously my parents, or not obviously, but my parents um, came out to watch um, with two of their friends as well. So I just remembered, I was on the bench to start with, and um, we were playing the home team, which is Brazil. Yep. So for us, that was seen as an easy kind of game. So I was like, oh, God, get me on, get me on. <laughs> I went on then, like maybe three to five minutes to go or something. Yeah. And I can just remember my first touch. I was like, okay, right just run as fast as I can, and then I, I scored. So the first touch in the Olympic Games, I managed to score, which was, yeah. Not bad. And it's I just remember, no, yeah, knowing that my parents were in the kind of crowd. It was packed in there because obviously we were playing the home nation. Yeah, it was prob- well, probably nigh off one of the, the best kind of individual rugby moments of, of my career, probably. Yep. And then, you know, obviously looking forward, what, you know, what, what would it being a dual Olympian mean? you know, to you and your family? <laughs> yeah, amazing. I think, like, for the last kind of three years, I've trained to get picked again for the Olympics. So, like, everything I do, like, as as crazy as it sounds, like, I'm like, oh, right, okay. For example, this is literally a thing I do. I'm doing a plank, and I'm like, chair's got to do it for 60 seconds. I'm like, <laughs> if I go down any any earlier, I'm not going to I'm not gonna be Olympian. Yeah. Genuine. <laughs> and then, like, my... my my friends are like, you are crazy. Like, how is that going to make any difference? But I'm just like, it's in my head. If I don't do it, then I don't go. It's going to be like, oh, I didn't do that plank one time. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> I, 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 did, yeah I, I didn't do yeah. enough one-legged hops. I, I said I was going to do 15. I did 12. <laughs> didn't get picked. It, it, but it, it, you know, that's the story of my career. <laughs> Never doing enough off the field. <laughs> Never got the rewards on it. Yeah. yeah. But it, it is really – But now, like – it's really good that you you have that mentality. That that's something that uh, you know uh, most casual fans fans don't really appreciate is the level of discipline, yeah. especially you guys have women um, in our game because a lot of you aren't fully professional. The, the discipline to go out, you know, and especially in times like this, and do do those training sessions at home, do planks, do push ups, you know, sit ups squats single leg squats yeah. all of that to, to just get through that on your own because because half the time you know it is on your own you know it's it's really special it's, a, it's you got to have a really special mentality i certainly wasn't the type of player who would go and train by myself <laughs> I, I was i was lucky i always had you know other guys within a within the group who'd you know for, for want of a better term force me to train with them um and and as a result you know yeah. started to get some some good performances on the field but yeah you know, and we can definitely see that in the way you, the way you play, and the way you prepare, as as coaches on the other side of the, other side of the uh, the sideline. You were always one we sort of circled and said, you know, we have got to stop her. She's fitter, faster, stronger than everyone. So we've, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. And and look, the the reality is you got to have that mentality. You want to yeah. you want to succeed. You you've you've yeah. So keep doing what you're doing. No, definitely. I think, yeah, like I said, like the last three years, like my lifestyle has been like a different lifestyle. Like my eating, like 
going out drinking and stuff, my partner's like, when will it end? <laughs> I just want to drink. <laughs> I want pizza. But like, it, like, it is like, obviously now it's going to be another year. But yeah. I think, obviously, it's an Olympic, it's just so hard to prepare and plan yourself for it because we're not professional athletes. So, like, it is tough for us going to work, coming yeah. home and training or training in the morning. Like, mentally it's hard to get yourself up for that and sometimes there are days where I'm like oh do you know what I'm probably better for the rest but then mentally I'm kind of not I don't struggle with that I'm like oh like then I'm like oh no I need to train like yeah. and I know it's not going to do any good for me but like mentally I'm like no nah, I need to I need to do it yeah <laughs> yeah and you know for for those people who haven't spent much time in the UK 5 a.m., 5:30 a.m., 6 a.m. in the middle of winter. It's not fun. It's not. It's not a Bondi run. No, it's it's definitely not it's a Bondi really run. <laughs> um. So yeah, no. staying on the on the Olympics with, with Great Britain. What do you think is going to be the key for for the GB side to push for for a medal? Um. Obviously, we we only had one camp um together before. Obviously, everything got announced that it was cancelled. Yeah. Um. Just, I think, like, like I say, like the England girls have got some really good players. Like Scottish and Welsh have got really good players. It's just us being able to bond as a team and the coaches to pick the right team mm. to be able to to bond with each other. I guess you, we are putting kind of um, trust and stuff in the coaches to pick the right team because obviously it's a new experience for them as well, coaching three different nations, totally. all different people that they've never coached before. Yeah. So. I think it is just balancing the team out. Yeah, you might have someone who's, I don't know, you might have five fast players who are just wingers, but you can't take all of them. So you have to yeah. pick what are they, yeah, everything like that in it. But just preparing ourselves as individual athletes and then being able to put kind of our fitness strength to the to yep. the training and then just learn the rugby from that then. Yep, yep. Oh, Jasmine. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Yep. Been a pleasure. And uh, you know, good 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 luck with everything. I hope um I hope we return to normal soon and and who knows, maybe hopefully yeah. we see you back uh in Australia at some point. Hopefully. That's if my partner's gonna let me again though. Because <laughs> three at a time I think I'll be <laughs> You know, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Awesome. But no, I, yeah, I definitely want to be back. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks again. And yeah, good Thanks luck with much. everything. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See you. Well, thanks again, Jasmine. That was that was really, really interesting, um, especially the, the GB stuff. I know we've spoken a little bit about that before in terms of the way that that team is made up. But um, to sort of hear her talk about it, and you know, it would be pretty, it would be pretty daunting. I, you know, I can remember being the only kid from Canberra, you know, going to a um, to a camp or whatever, and it is really daunting because you get there and you know it's competitive. No one knows you, um, so it's you know interesting to hear her sort of say the only Welsh girl, only girl outside of England to to, to be in Rio, to be yeah. in Rio, you know, and to you know to perform the way she did. Pretty impressive. Um, the, I'm starting to sense a theme with all these people we're talking to. You know, the, every, everyone so far has, you know, picked up rugby sort of later in life in terms of playing at, at a high level, at the elite level. And every single person so far has said that the game 
well, not in so many words, but the game was not the thing that brought them back. When we asked them that question, the the thing that brought them back was the people. Yeah. And I guess that that's something in Australia where we're always really lucky with is we always have great people in the game, mm. especially at the community level, mm. which which are the, the ones that grow the participation and, and the development. Yeah, and you know, you go to you go to any club and you'll be able to find, you know, the eighty year old guy who has had four sons play first grade at the club yep. and he coached them through the junior club all the way through from under sixes to, to Colts. Yeah. And he sits there every Saturday, has a beer, talks to the young blokes coming through. Barry cooking the barbecue. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and also, you know, for me growing up, it was all, all our mums, you know, our mums, yeah. Yeah. you know, doing, you know, my mum was the team manager, um, you know, and then you'd go over to the canteen and you'd have, you know, half a dozen mums and a couple of dads in there, Running the canteen, you'd have someone else's mum and dad over at the at the merch stand, selling t-shirts and having spare socks and shorts for when little Timmy Liam, when Liam, little Liam forgets his shorts and socks. <laughs> yep, mum used to do everything before the game and then leave and come back after the game. She refused to watch me play because I was about half the size of everybody else. <laughs> but you know, we yeah, it, it's it it is something. Certainly now, as a as a retired player, I don't I don't really miss. Yeah, you know, yeah, I do. I miss the stuff that happens on the field, but you know, the reason I stayed involved it, it was because of the 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 people, the, the club, the cohesion, yeah. community, and yeah. and you yeah. know, the the club that I play for here did a lot. You know, did a lot for me. They they took me on um, under somewhat controversial circumstances, um, and. You know, really invested in me, and and probably got, you know, two or three of my best years at, at the back end. You know, played my best footy in those last couple of years, and and you know, won a couple of premierships and and that sort of thing. So there's, you know, I feel like I, I owe a little bit to that club. Um, gave me my first job in sport. So, shouts to the Vikings, a- AMC Vikings. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, that that was my club. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Um, but I think the other interesting takeaway from speaking to, you know, Abby, Nadine, and then Jasmine, so US, South African, and Welsh players, is how lucky we are in Australia. You know, we, yeah. we sort of look at the seven setup we've got, and, you know, we always talk about ways to grow it and develop it, and that, you know, we're, we're trying to grow it and develop it to help the Australian side out. But then speaking to these other countries, like, we, we probably haven't appreciated how lucky we are in terms of the opportunities that the girls do have. You yeah. know, we've got... 24 to 30 girls on, on contract training more full-time than, you know, the, the first 12 yeah. of a lot of other countries. So Yeah. And then we've got, a, you know, another 180 to 240 at the level below. Yeah, at, at the Aon level, which is, is being touted as better than the European League, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that was a big rap yeah. from, from, from Jasmine. And I'm glad we sort of spoke to her and asked her, that, asked her about that because... I don't know. I actually don't know a lot about that that tier. Um, you know, I think we'll we'll be exposed a little bit more. You know, moving forward with that challenger series, I assume you know countries like Wales. Um, you know, will we'll get an opportunity on. You know, and even South Africa, if they don't make the jump to the World Series, we'll get an opportunity there. Um, but yeah, it, that's a huge rap because you know you you talk. Yeah, they're not professionals, but you're talking about the best players from Scotland, from Wales, 
Germany, you know, Netherlands, some of those some of those countries, the best twelve or thirteen girls there. And she's saying that you know the provincial competition we have here in Australia is 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 a higher standard. Yeah, and are we seeing a number of Welsh, Irish, Scottish, Dutch girls out here playing? Yeah, yeah, that sort of makes sense. Why? Yeah, and and why we got roasted by Scotty? Oh. Sorry, Scotty. <laughs> well, that brings us to an end. I, I think a, a, a happier note than than last South week. Africa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to write a strongly worded letter to the Welsh rugby. No, they won't get one. Well, they might. They might. You know, in, English coach just going to pick England players. Sc- Scottish. Well, sorry, he's Scottish. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll be fair. So I, yeah. I've heard good reports. Yeah, from both Scottish players and. And Welsh players, so yeah, and, uh, you know, and and I think you know they've already qualified for the for the Olympics through the non traditional non traditional route. So you know, and 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 had had to beat um, France and Russia in, in the process. So you know, France and Russia are no no easy beat. No, yeah, we talk about France all the time being a, a pretty consistent top four side. Yeah. So yeah, and and you know, Russia's pushed some of those top teams as well. Definitely. Um, you know, they they're another team that we like to to push for an upset so um yeah uh, yeah i think it's it's impressive it's a good base to work off and you know who knows maybe they get an extra camp and and an extra tournament to to kind of gel a little bit yeah um maybe some internal stuff too which would be pretty good to watch yeah all right well thanks everyone for listening okay the music started again that that they keep doing this to us, you know. We we're gonna call Jasmine and then and then call you, but sorry, it, it happens. Uh, thank you to the cover again. Thank you to Mum and Dad. Shouts to Nathan McMahon. He listens every week too. Yeah, Nathan McMahon. All right, we will be back soon.